0: Welcome to Red Lips and Eye Rolls, I'm Katara, and this is my show where I'll be encouraging you to live a life full of power and belonging. My work is to not only give you tools to belong to yourself, but to also cultivate cultures where Black, Indigenous, and women of color belong. I'm an expert eye roller that loves a red lip, that we'll be having some great conversations with some awesome people. I'll also be dropping some wisdom on you and giving you tips, tricks, and tools to live the life that you desire and the life that you deserve. So sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to this week's show. We have Rebecca Beck's Baruki on as our guest. She is the founder of Beck's Life and Blissed In Wellness Movement. She's a mother of five, a meditation guide, a birth doula, and author of books for big and little readers. Rebecca's mission is to make mental health support and stress management tools accessible to all. Most recently, Rebecca has launched her own publishing imprint, Wheat Penny Press, and her nonprofit, the Wheat Penny Press Little Readers Big Change Initiative, which provides free books and mental wellness tools to elementary school students in need. Let's listen in to our conversation with Bex. Rebecca, welcome to the show. I'm so thrilled to have you on and that you would take time out of your busy day to sit with me and chat on red lips and eye rolls.
1: Everyone always thinks I'm so busy. I watch a lot of Netflix, so do not be fooled.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, you're in Jersey. Mm -hmm. I'm in I'm in Indiana, and so Mm -hmm. it's so fun that we can connect this way. Um, I know. I love the internet. Yeah. Yeah, you too. So I'm thrilled to have you on and that we're going to chat a little bit today. I'd Mm -hmm. like you to take just a few moments to tell my listeners about you and about the work that you do.
1: Uh, well, first, I say that I'm a mother of five, because that's my most important job. Uh, so mm. my oldest is 22, and my littlest is five and a half. The half is very important. I'm a meditation guide, and I write books. And most recently, I started writing children's books and opened up my own publishing imprint to be able to do so for myself and other emerging authors. So yeah, it's, that's the most fun thing I do, is write children's books.
0: Mm. I love it. I love it. You just did a Kickstarter campaign, and I was so excited that I got to partner with you in that. Um, Thank you. Was able to sponsor a classroom, which was so fun. um, That I get to do that with you, and you get to get those books into some little readers' hands. Um, So, yeah, tell me uh, about your journey to becoming an author. You talked about how you wrote write books for little readers, but you also write books for big readers and your meditation guide. Tell us about it. Tell us about your journey.
1: You know, it's funny. I didn't set out to be an author, um, but my son, my oldest son, who's 20, was saying the other day how, and it was really, really, it was a sweet moment because he's not a kid of many words um, or I'm sorry, a man of many words. (laughs) He, Mm -hmm. he came up to me and he said that he was at my mother's who's passed um, a long time ago. And he remembers looking through my schoolwork and finding uh, these old report cards and the comments from the teachers were things like, you know, Rebecca's going to be a great writer one day and she should be an author. And he told me that then, so this must've been 10 years ago. And I said, well, that's never going to happen because um, actually it was way, way more than 10 years ago. Um, cause it was before I even started this journey of having online business. And at that point I was in an abusive marriage I had three small children, didn't know how I was going to get out, and had no idea that I would ever be able to even get out of the marriage, let alone make a career for myself. So that was interesting, but the whole book thing happened very much – I don't want to say by accident, but it wasn't my intention to be an author. I wanted to, I had this wellness platform um, that started because I just wanted to find my own community to support me in my own uh, journey through anxiety and depression and, you know, trying to get my health right. Um, And a book was kind of like the next logical step. You know, everybody was doing it. So I thought, oh, maybe I should too. And people were telling me I should, but it turned out to be, Kind of a reconnection with a dream that I had forgotten. So I'm so mm-hmm. happy. Um, it's all mm-hmm. I want to do now. It's just, I mean, I love teaching meditation, and I will always continue to do that because that's the vehicle for my healing, and it's what I want to share with the world. But writing has been so therapeutic, healing, um, and mm-hmm. and really a way for me to to just grow in my own spiritual. In you know, a journey, yeah. I really love it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Was there a moment where you knew, like, this is my path? Like, this is my work. This is my mission. Like, was there one of those moments that kind of like illuminated, like, yes, this is it. This is your work?
1: I'll tell you, no, until very recently. And it was, it was really doing this work with, um, With the children's books and a big part of the, and and you talked about that sponsoring a classroom, a big part of what I do with my work um, in children's literature is to give free books and mental wellness tools to students in need and students in Title I schools, um, under-resourced school districts. And I was in Baltimore the day before I went into isolation for um, COVID-19. It was March 12th of this year. And we were able to bring 300 books to give away to uh, Mm. kids there in K through uh, second grade. And it was a school, I think that the capacity was 400 and there were 800 kids in the school. Um, They had fewer children's books in their library than I do in my personal collection. Mm. Um, They didn't even have gym equipment or a mic for me to use when I was there. It was just really, it, you know, it's, and it wasn't a situation where I was feeling um you know sorry for the kids it was it was really me seeing myself in those kids and coming from my background of poverty and and um not having access to the health care I needed so I went into the school and we rolled out the books onto the on a big cart mm-hmm. and it was like it was like I was Oprah like these kids were flinging themselves yeah. on the ground and screaming yes. and, and then to sit there in a room with, you know, like oh, nearly 300 kids and they're all meditating. And these kids came to come mm-hmm. to school hungry. These kids come to school with a lot on their hearts and their minds. And they were able to focus there with me for those moments. And have and they all thanked me and we shook every little hand. And it was, um I came home that night and I was like, this is it. This is what it was all leading up to. All of it, like totally unrelated stuff that had nothing to do with writing for kids. It was all leading up to this, having this opportunity. So I'm feeling wow. it now. I'm in that zone right now.
0: Yeah, I yeah. love that. I love that. That's amazing. You talk about giving, uh, you know, just even going to the school um, and meditating with the kids, giving them resources. Um, those are resources that you talk about. I've been following you now on Instagram and Mm -hmm. meditating with you and listening (laughs) to your story. And you talk about how um, you didn't have that as a child and how you had um, some really hard moments. And Mm -hmm. so it's important for you to get these mental health resources to these kids. Can you talk to my listeners more about that?
1: Sure. So the children's book series that I'm writing, it's called The Big Messy Series, and it's centered around a little biracial Black girl um, like me, and her name is Zara. And she struggles with what we call big, messy emotions. Um, We don't call it anxiety or depression. Um, I'm really trying to keep it simple and accessible for the kids and their parents, really, because labels scare people. So. The first book, Zara's Big Messy Day, she like overcomes some obstacles with a breathing exercise taught to her by her mother. This next one coming out, um, Big Messy Bedtime, it's uh, about her dealing with uh, transition and like big changes in her life. And um, it's it's a love letter to my seven-year-old self, Zara's seven in the book. and And seven was right before I had my first mental health crisis. Um, I was Mm. hospitalized at age eight and put on lithium for severe, um, outbursts. And Mm. I was suicidal by the time I was 10 years old and I was put into a psychiatric group home. So I was Mm. in and out of very intensive care from eight years old to 16, really when I left home. And Mm. it was, it was a struggle that continued into my adult years. And if I could have just had some tools when yeah. I was little and and there's tools I talk about in my books that I did receive from amazing state appointed counselors, because that was the healthcare that I got because we did not have mm. money or access to healthcare um, tools that I still use to this day that I know have been so valuable and yet they were so simple. So it's like, this is what I want to give to kids. And it's not even like, you know, kids that are, deal well everything's a lot when you're a kid right like there's you know I I remember having like a hungry belly but I also remember being picked on in sixth grade Mm -hmm. by a girl named Shannon
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. that I'll yeah. always remember. Um, yeah, and, and I remember just, my bully's name too. I right. remember her name too. Yeah. So <laughs> it hurt just
1: as bad, and like all this stuff is a really big deal that forms who you are and informs the kind of person that you become. And and um, so I just want to give these these kids these tools, and also their parents, because you know I've been getting feedback that. Uh, the parents are loving these books and the kids have been mm. using these tools against them to remind them yeah. <laughs> to calm down.
0: Yeah, like yeah. you need to you need to take some deep breaths. Yeah, yeah. Slow breathing. Yeah. <laughs> calm down, mom. Calm down, dad. Yeah,
1: yeah. so it's been good. And that. you know I and I and I'm all about accessibility, so mm-hmm. my philosophy um especially with my work because I know people living on the margins don't have access to this stuff and they don't feel like they belong, right? In, in these cer- wellness yes. circles and yoga studios Absolutely. and all that. So I um, I just believe that what's simple is what's best and what is accessible to all is what's actually real and true. So mm-hmm. I love the easy stuff um, because mm-hmm. I think it can really do the most profound or have the most profound effect.
0: So good. Ah, oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm clapping. Yeah. <laughs> I love all of that. I love all of that. Um, I've been uh, watching you again and you've been talking on your page. You have a pretty huge platform and you've been um, during this quarantine, during this pandemic, COVID-19, mm-hmm. you've been using your platform to really speak to um, the issues of racism, anti-blackness, white supremacy, and I know mm-hmm. you're not an anti-racist teacher. but mm-hmm. You've been speaking to that topic and using your platform. Um, can you talk a little bit more about like just plunging into that and, and using your platform and your voice to speak to what is an obvious uh... problem? Well, too. is it obvious? <laughs> and is it, we well, wouldn't have to talk about it if it was obvious. Well, um, I think I think that COVID nineteen right. has, you know, China has sh- put a huge spotlight on what we know has been ongoing issues. I think that yeah. there are people that are still choosing to be blind mm-hmm. to it, but there definitely has been a little bit of a a bigger spotlight during this time. And, um, yeah, you've been speaking to that. Can can we just talk a little bit about that?
1: So, I mean, from the very beginning, even when I was – you know, teaching yoga, because I'm a yoga teacher too, and doing, um, you know, just fitness stuff on my platform. And this I'm talking about like 10 years ago, you know, I noticed when I went into yoga studios, especially the ones um, I was teaching in in New York City, the ones that I was taking classes in, it, there just weren't people that looked like me or my family or my friends. Um, I felt very alienated in those spaces. So I just started talking, I made a video, oh, it has been like nine years ago said called black people do yoga
0: (laughs) and it was like such an obvious
1: and um i received a lot of backlash (laughs) from that and but i'm like you know in some places in the world black people do yoga and it's a brown people you know practice so exactly um, where it originated from (laughs) right so it was really um It was interesting to have the conversations when anti-racism wasn't on trend, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and Mm -hmm. it would be sprinkled in, you know, I I talk about accessibility a lot, especially when I talk about breastfeeding or being a doula because I I wear a lot of hats. Um, But most recently for the, for the good and the bad um, anti-racism has become very much on trend and a lot of people are getting into it and it's selling a lot of books. Um, So, I think people have been noticing that I'm talking about it more. Um, But I, but before they didn't notice because they weren't interested, they were just weren't watching the videos. So it's an interesting time. I Mm. feel obligated as someone who has platform privilege um, to talk about it. I think that if you are not talking about social justice, racial justice, inequality, um, the inequity, that's very obvious in every single industry. But if you're not talking about it in your space, I don't even know who you're trying to serve. I think that that's uh, mm-hmm. white supremacist practice in and of itself. Um, I Because it maintains the status quo. So Mm -hmm. if you are not actively trying to be inclusive for real, getting your education, learning how to dismantle your own anti-blackness, if you are black and brown and anti-racism and your racism, if you are white, then it's like, I don't think you deserve a platform. Mm -hmm. And I'm very blunt about that. So the questions that I ask on my platform, you know, especially in light of COVID-19, especially in light of the maternal, the black maternal health crisis, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, is what are your leaders saying about this? And if they are not talking about it, that shows their privilege. And if they're not talking about it, they don't care about black and brown lives, period. They right. just don't. So and that really is a challenge. And I know that some people think that that's harsh or it's too hard line. But it's Um, I think that we are in a time of extreme urgency and um, it's all hands on deck. That's the only way it's going to change. And it's been the burden has been carried by the same people for too long. And mm-hmm. and the truth of the matter is there just aren't enough black people in America to make this change. We need allies. Right. Period. Right. And um, it's just too heavy a burden to carry, especially when it was, you know, it's like the oppressed are trying to dismantle the oppression. And how could you possibly do that? You're not the yeah. one doing it. So it's
0: we, we didn't build it. Right. (laughs) We don't have the power to dismantle it.
1: Exactly. So I think, you know, I do my little part. I'm a meditation guide. I'm not an anti-racism teacher. I am a very light-skinned, often white passing biracial woman Um, that comes with a lot of privilege. And I've been able to get into spaces that my um, Black colleagues, Black women colleagues have not been able to get in. And for me, it's about tearing it down from the inside. So, you know, I get a couple of book deals with Hay House and now I become the loudmouth
0: at Hay House. And <laughs> <laughs> like, where are my
1: black people at? What are you yeah, doing to, right. to, to do this? So, um, yes. and then they can't fire me because they'll look really bad. So, so <laughs> you're
0: right, you're right. I love it. Okay. Yeah. I hope you're enjoying this episode, and we're going to get back to it in just a minute. I want to tell you about our next guest. Monique Melton stopped by to have a chat with us here at Red Lips and Eye Rolls. She is a highly sought-after anti-racism educator, published author, international speaker, and host of the Shine Bright Together podcast. She is also the founder of Shine Bright Together, which is a community dedicated to healthy relationships and diverse unity. She travels around the world speaking at conferences and events on topics of anti-racism, personal growth, diversity, and relationships. She's been published in magazines, featured in blogs, podcasts. She's touched so many people all over the world, and she stopped by to chat with us at Red Lips and Eye Rolls. So I want to make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you know when our next episode drops. You don't want to miss our chat with Monique. Now, let's get back to today's combo with our friend, Bex. Yeah. Well, for those those that are listening that do carry white privilege, yeah, what would be your advice? Because I know I've been speaking to it too. Like I've been mm-hmm. speaking to it, and I've been getting people sliding into my DM saying, "Oh." Well, what do, what do I do? And I, ju- I've just been pointing them to anti-racist teachers because right. I'm, I'm biracial as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was raised in a black family. Um, my, uh, my white mother abandoned me at the hospital. So I wasn't raised by mm-hmm. my white family. I was raised by my black mom and grandmother. And, um, but I, I, I just can't, I just couldn't keep silent, you know? So I'm like, okay, I got to start speaking up and saying, not start speaking up, but using my platform Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. a place to speak to, um, white supremacy and racism. And so people have been sliding into my, into my DMs, like, so what do I, what do I do? What what was like the first step? And, and, you know, I, while I'm like, well, do your work, people are still like, well, what does that mean? Right. Right? It's so don't hard. what's be your advice? Um,
1: my advice, well, the, first and foremost, my advice is follow Black women. Period. Yes. Follow Black yes. women. And Black yes. women don't have to, not necessarily just anti-racism coach. Cause l- listen, Black people don't just sit around all day and talk about racism, right? Like, exactly. <laughs> like we, cook, right? we cook, we cook, we make, make love, kids. Yeah, we raise kids, we get married, we raise family. Like, we do all the, <laughs> we have, we laugh, right? We have right. Fun. (laughs) So follow Black women just to learn about life, learn about resilience, learn about beauty, learn about celebration. And and, and in anti-racism work, follow only Black women um, period. I'm, I have a very hardline stance on that. I do not think that white people, they have a voice in this space, but not a teaching voice or a leadership yes. voice. So follow black women there and don't just make it an intellectual pursuit. Don't just buy a book. Don't just like get a whole bunch of your white friends and start a book club. Don't just, you know, like watch a movie. You need to be actively every single day asking, how can I put, first of all, my time, talent, or treasure into contributing to the nourishment or reparations for Black people, period. Mm -hmm. Like, how are you... And this doesn't mean like buying a workshop because you're getting something for that, right? Like, that's not reparations, right? right? It's like, how am I giving from my place of privilege to censor, nourish, uplift other... Or not other, Black women, right? Um, Mm -hmm. That's number one. So think about how you could do that every single day. Second, I would ask myself as a person with white privilege speaking for someone with white privilege is how i can show up every day um in the role of an ally meaning taking an active um an active plan or putting together something that's that's very real it's not just um something that has no consequence for me to stand next to be an accomplice to and really put yourself in the way of put yourself in the way of harm the way black folks have to every single day. You know, I see mm-hmm. a lot of white women that are avoiding getting into the conversation because they're afraid of looking bad or failing or being criticized. And that's, I mean, you have to, just the fact that you can make a decision about that, like I'm not going right. to put myself in harm's way um, is a huge privilege. So sounds... it's it's being prepared to suffer any of the consequences from humiliation, You know, Mm -hmm. to looking bad, to losing money. Because I'll tell you, every single time I talk about anti-racism on my platform, and I'm not even saying anti-racism, if I just mention a quote-unquote black issue on my platform, I'll lose two to 300 followers within a couple hours. Every wow. time without fail. And yeah. I actually put up a graph the other because people weren't believing me. So I actually mm-hmm. showed my stats and you could see the dips every single day I talked about like even saying like wow. Black Lives Matter. I lose 400 people, whereas I saw, you know, around the recent news of Ahmad Arbery and mm-hmm. some um white women that have a lot of status. I'm just going to name names. Rachel Hollis <laughs> has a yes, certain amount of status, like yes. messing up really big. And when yes. white women talked about it and white women called her out, they gained a thousand followers. Yeah, you know, applauded. Like they applauded. And it's like, damn. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, so, I, and so I would mm-hmm. urge those white women who got that, you know, got those accolades. Like you can't say, don't follow me, but you can say, hey, now that you're here, I'm not the one. I'm yes. not the one. You need to this go over here, here, here. You learn
0: from. Right, mm-hmm. right. So
1: mm-hmm. it's um. Mm-hmm. God, I mean, there's so many things that you can do. I just say, just whatever you're doing, you got to do it every day. There's no rest. There's no mm-hmm. rest, and I want people to really internalize the truth mm-hmm. of until. All of us are free. None of us are free until all of us are well. None of us are well. And if you're trying to like go to the yoga studio and drink the green juice and get healthy and whatever, you are still broken as long as there is suffering and inequity in this world. Period. Period. It's just it's just fake.
0: Totally. Preach, preach, preach. Oh, man. That I'm gonna so lose you good. followers today. No, <laughs> I'm leaning listen, I'm leaning all into this. I am leaning all into this because I made a huge I made a shift with my work. I, I've been a coach. I, I my husband and I used to pastor a church and then we transitioned mm-hmm. out of ministry and then um I was a director of culture for a huge large company. Um, Did that for almost two years. Transitioned out of that, became a personal development slash life coach, Mm -hmm. and started a podcast, and you know everything that I and did a couple women's events. Um, and and the people in attendance and my audience is diverse, but I definitely Mm -hmm. when I looked down at who I was coaching, it was all white women. Yeah, and I there was just some unrest in me, like what am I doing with what I've been given, um, the resources that I now know from having therapy and being coached, and how am I giving that back to brown and black women, indigenous women, women of color? And so even with this podcast, it was all, let me give you some coaching tips to actually I'm going to start centering black, indigenous, and women of color's voices, their art, Mm -hmm. their books, their work, their businesses, for us all to learn from. And so there's been a huge shift that I don't I'm not huge, but a pivot with my work and and with what I'm doing and saying like, Okay, that's that was good, but this is this is what I need to do. in this season of my life. So I love everything that you said. I I love that you encouraged people to follow black women to learn because that's what this podcast is. It's elevating those women and shining a spotlight on them and their lives so that we can all learn from because those voices have been kept at bay. They just have historically Mm. have been kept. It's not that those women have been silent because we've been talking. (laughs) We've been talking, it's just they've been kept at bay, and we lose and we miss out when we don't hear from or learn from uh women of color, black women, indigenous women, so and continue thank you for all of that absolutely like they, absolutely.
1: they you know they're they're continuing to be censored. I mean, we've seen mm-hmm. um a lot mm-hmm. of censorship on Instagram and facebook, same company, um the algorithms are all uh you know programmed to be discriminatory towards uh blackness, and mm-hmm. it's um it's something that we need to look at right now, well. I think it's something that white people need to look at right now, because mm-hmm. if you hold white privilege, this is your responsibility. I tell you know my black girlfriends, like, go get your joy. It's mm-hmm. your choice, whether you want to do this work or not, if you want to like talk to white people or not, like you go get your joy. You've had enough. like you need mm-hmm. to experience your business to any way that you need to, but mm-hmm. for people that hold white privilege, and I include myself in that. Mm-hmm. It is our responsibility. So even mm-hmm. though you know my father is black, my mother is white, I hold a certain amount of privilege in this world. I walk through a certain amount of sa- with a certain amount of safety in this sure. world. That that makes it my responsibility, my obligation to protect and center blackness and black lives. Um, Mm -hmm. And while I have a visceral response to it that makes it very automatic for me in a way that it wouldn't a white person, um, it's still something that you got to do and maybe just something you just got to be really conscious about. And it's absolutely.
0: I I don't know how to make them do it, though. Well, yeah, I know. (laughs) Keep nudging. Well, and I tell I tell people all the time, like it is a practice. So, whatever Mm -hmm. practices you have, meditation, if you attend church, if you pray, if you go work out every day, like what whatever practices you have, add anti racism into that as a practice. What are you doing every single day, like you're saying, to practice it? (laughs) Right. It's not something you read a book and check it off the list. It's an ongoing work. So thank you for saying that. Well,
1: with meditation, you know, because that is what I teach and I talk about, um, anti-racism and social justice issues a lot during, even during my meditations inside of them. Um, It's because meditation for me isn't just about uplifting your own spirit. It's about connecting to the truth of who you are and all that is. So Mm -hmm. the truth of what is, is good and bad. It's healing and suffering. And it's also every other person on this planet. So in true connection, if you're coming from a spirit of oneness, as you know, is the language of spiritual wellness, then you have to, you have to be tapping into the pain, suffering, um, and inequality Mm -hmm. that exists. So Mm -hmm. for me, there is no such thing as spiritual healing without social justice. It's, Mm-hmm. Part of it, like you have mm-hmm. to be talking about it, so um, because I get that a lot. Like, I got from one woman, I had to repost it because so I was like, Girl, you came into my DMs, so I'm gonna tell on you. So she said, <laughs> she said, I don't come to this platform, I don't come to you to learn about racism. I come, you're a meditation guide. And you know, mm-hmm. one black woman in the comments was like, She basically just told you to shut up and dribble. And if yeah. you don't know what that means, <laughs> it's you know, it's when you know, like a sports like Colin Kaepernick, right? Like shut up and play football it's like you're not allowed to even be a human outside of the way that you entertain me you know and it's like so that's all I am to you is someone who just services you and I'm not allowed to be a human but yeah it's just it's crazy
0: (laughs) Messages. do the work do the work look at yourself and do the work and you're never Um, done
1: you're never done
0: never done you're never Mm -mm. done you're never done. What, what drives you? What's your passion? What keeps you get you up Ooh. out of the bed? What gets you going? Every day, I love
1: getting up in the morning. I am the most obnoxious morning person. It'll be like,
0: <laughs> I'm so
1: excited for my day. It's like 5am. Like, all right, I'm getting up, not going back to sleep. Um, what drives me? I love to create. Mm. I love mm-hmm. newness, the newness of things. So I knew as soon as my last Kickstarter campaign was done and all the work that went into that, it was like, I was almost getting nervous. Cause I'm like, what's next? What's next? Mm-hmm. Um, I love to create. I love to, I love reaction and feedback. I mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed to say that I really thrive on feedback and, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and all of that because it, it, I like being in community. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I see a little kid holding my book or I get a letter from a woman that says, you know, one of my books helped her. It's like, yes, this is amazing that I get this opportunity. And, you know, I'm a very, um, I'm not a religious person, but I pray every day. You know, I talk to God every day. The last thing that I ask every day as part of my prayer, the last thing that I do is ask God, how may I serve? And that answer drives me every single day. So it could be like, you know, it's it's usually just, you know, get in your emails and answer the ones that are, um, that have, gone too long neglected um from people who follow me or read my books or or you know create a new program, write another book, um, do something kind for a friend. Like it's just those little things, but I just I get so excited every day to to wake mm-hmm. up and be of service. Um but yeah, yeah. That's what drives that. me.
0: I love that. I love that. So what other resources, services you offer that you can tell my listeners about if they want to you know, learn more from you. What 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 do you got? You got the books. What else? I got the books, and and I'm and I'm telling you right now, I love
1: when people buy my books because it keeps my lights on. But I've been <laughs> I've been <laughs> offering, and you could do that. That's cool. But yeah. I'm during this time especially because I know that so many people are really going through it. I have um I want to offer more. So if you join my private Facebook group, which is linked through my website, um you can get. Both of my books with Hay House, You Have Four Minutes to Change Your Life and Managing the mother load for free. You can download the PDFs for free. And then for the kiddies, I have my Zara bundle. Um, and you just go to Zara, Z-A-R-A bundle.com and you can get the book, the first book on audio, video, in Spanish, you get resources, um, the ebook. And because uh, I just want, you know, the kids to have that. It's mm. been especially tough on them. and And I have my community. There's, I give away so much. I mm-hmm. don't know how I pay my bills, but I do, and um, <laughs> so yeah. it's all good, right? Like it's it's yeah. all for, it was the right decision. But yeah, I, I really want people to have access to the materials. Awesome. So awesome. yeah.
0: Um, we drop wisdom on our listeners. I I record wisdom bombs once a week. Mm-hmm. And on here, I'd like to ask you to drop just a f- wisdom bomb on my listeners, just kind of a final wisdom. What would that nugget of wisdom be from Rebecca Baruki? <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> saying my name right. That was awesome. I love I love your last name. Like, oh Rebecca my god. Yeah. So t- yeah, I'll tell All my good.
1: I'll tell my Polish husband that his name (laughs) is winning. Um, (laughs) So I'll say this. um, I'm a book coach uh, and I always ask people before they start their books to ask themselves two questions. It's what do I want? How do I want people to feel when they're finished reading uh, my book? And what do I want them to know for sure? And what I want people to know for sure is no matter who they are, where they're from, what's happened to them or even what they've done, that happiness, safety, love, all of those things are for them. They really truly are, no matter what the world's told them. And, you know, me being a teen mom, a high school dropout, not having that education, not having that status or that money, that was something that really um, gave me the strength and the confidence to keep moving forward knowing those things. So I'm always in the pursuit of Something better and more because I know mm-hmm. it's for me.
0: I love that. Oh, so good. That's some good wisdom. <laughs> um, so good. If listeners want to find you and they want to mm-hmm. follow you, follow your work, follow what you're up to, where do they? Where do they do that at?
1: I mean, they can go to the website, which is Bex Life B E X L I F E. Worst brand name ever.com.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when I
1: started this, I was just really into Tupac and I didn't know I was going to be a brand. <laughs>
0: So. Oh, I can <laughs> love that. that oh my god, it's so embarrassing.
1: So you could do that, but the truth is, is that I am fully addicted to social media and unashamed. So if you just hit uh, me up on Beck's Life on Instagram or whatever,
0: I'll be like, "Hey, so. yeah, that's, that's where I follow you. It's Instagram. If you follow her on Instagram, you get all the things. Get all, all the, the things. things. Yeah, <laughs> awesome." See? Rebecca, thank you so much for taking time to sit down and chat with us. It was a great conversation. I hope that my listeners follow you and support your work. Um, I said earlier that I sponsored a classroom not to toot my own horn but to let my listeners know mm-hmm. that as I'm centering these voices um, these women I'm also putting my dollars um, behind them and so when I ask my listeners to support I'm not asking you guys to do something that I'm not doing so um, go spon- they can still sponsor a classroom right?
1: They can yeah if they go to yeah. bigmessybooks.com or just follow through my website yeah you can still do all the things order the books yep awesome
0: thank you for being on today if you want to see what I'm up to in between episodes, you can follow me on my social channels. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter. Um, you can also find me at katarmccarty.com. Yeah, go follow me. I'm always dropping some wisdom and pictures, and info and all the things. Go check me out. This episode of Red Lips and Eye Rolls was produced by Green Records in New Braunfels, Texas. The studio is situated on Lee Pan land.